Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey guys, it's Lisa Stanley Arantienta, and on today's episode, we have the talented Nancy Cartwright. Actress, voiceover, writer, producer, but you know her voice, that's for sure. She's the voice of Bart Simpson on the animated series, The Simpsons, and many more animated characters on TV and in the movies. Today, we find out everything Nancy. Hi, Nancy Cartwright. Hi, Lisa. Oh, thank you so much for making this drive, because I know where the house that Bart built is, and it ain't (laughs) close to this studio. No, it's no problem. So I really appreciate you being here. Uh, There's just so much to talk about. I mean, people don't realize it's not just uh, a voice uh, behind Nancy, there's so much more. There's so many layers, like an onion, if you will, that we're going to peel back today. I mean, you're a writer, you're a producer. I can't wait to talk. I know it's a grandmother, been a, while. a grandma. We're going to talk. <laughs> I called you a glamma. <laughs> That's you. what I called you. Uh, but let's start out with uh, people probably don't know a lot about you in general. Like you were born in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Moved to Hollywood. What? 1978. Yeah. September and- 19th. 19. 19- I remember it well. And what was your first day like? You know, it was a little scary, to be honest with you. I'd never been on an airplane before. I was... How old were you? I was 20, and I had never been on an airplane. I was with my dad. Uh, My mother had just passed away, and this was... um, this was something that I'd been planning on doing for a little bit more than a year because I was at Ohio University on a, a scholarship. I was there for a couple of years, connected up with Dawes Butler, who's Huckleberry Hound, Yogi Bear, Quick Draw McGraw, Elroy Jets. He did a lot of, and he was he he became my long distance long distance mentor. So I realized I couldn't stay in Ohio. I really wanted to move to California to Los Angeles to be with him. So I transferred to UCLA. Goodbye scholarship. Hello theater. And I was paying out of out of state. You know, I was didn't know really a soul. And here my dad, bless his heart, is flying with me. I was the only only college student to have her dad go to registration that you know that next day. Okay, but that's kind of cool. And you you you're the fourth out of six kids right yeah that's so when mom has already passed dad's with you now where are the other kids um well i was college age my older ones were out and about they're doing their own thing and i had and my younger brother frank he was also um pretty much out on his own and marcia was still at home she's like three years younger than me so she was still at home with with dad and yeah. did dad stay here with you? And No, no. Okay. He came and settled me in. I was in the dorm, you know, got acclimated. I'll tell you what, what saved me, what really saved me, because I did, once my dad left, I didn't hardly have any time to grieve the loss of my mom, but I got involved with my, my dream. I just really immersed myself. You know, there was no therapy. There was no nothing like that. It was just like I got in the theater department and started doing stuff on stage. And I had done theater, you know, growing up and stuff. 
stuff, but it was really competitive speaking. Well, you participated that, that, in theater and yeah. band in high school, correct? Yeah, band, yeah. What instrument did you play? Well, I started at age 10 with the trumpet, and I played trumpet through junior high, and then I switched over to French horn because there were I less... I the French horn, and no women ever play the French horn. I loved it. We had a neighbor who played the French horn. His name was Damon Zarkoff, and my dad called him Lips because his <laughs> lips were always on the French a little horn. Bit, yeah, a little bit tighter mouthpiece, but same embouchure, same thing going on there with the kisser. And I, I could play trombone, I played baritone, I played the uh, frumpet, I think the B-horn. It looks like a it's got a big bell. It's a trumpet, but it's got a larger bell on it. In the marching band, I played a, an alto, an alto horn, and just you know, very. It's all basically same fingering. It's you know the keys, same fingering. Can you and still just, play now? If you I can. To? I'm not that great. Pl- I will, you know. I'm not going to ask you. I'm not. <laughs> didn't bring my horn with me this time. What? You don't travel with your horn? <laughs> I can get. I can still pop out lovers concerto. <laughs> All right, so let's just talk a little bit about the little voice work, uh, the tiny little voice work you do. You discovered your talent for voices very young, right? Yeah. yeah, How did that happen? It was serendipitous. There was a contest when I was 10. I was in the fourth grade, and they there was something posted in the cafeteria about a competition. And was that on the speech team? No, this was before that. This was it. This was when I was going to Catholic school, and they had this competition, and no, there was no speech team. It was just a reading of like a poem or a story, and I thought I, was, I wanted to do this, and uh, we had the World Book Encyclopedia and Childcraft, and it, they had science and history, and they had... Um, storytelling and I, I got that book and opened it up and my mom said yeah I think this is a good one to tell just tell the story Rudyard Kipling how the camel got his hump long story short I ended up turning it into a little bit of a comedy and I won I won the fourth grade and then the fourth fifth sixth seventh and eighth graders competed against each other and I won overall and it's just that reaction that it created first of all that's just a tale it's not a funny it's not a comedy but the way that I did it and I realized I could create humor and make people laugh just with who I am. So I started to pursue other activities like that, like being when I got to junior high and uh, I was in um, the Summer Youth Theater Company. They called it Sitco. And it was high school kids, but I was I was only 13. They were they were a bit older than me, but enough older that, you know, getting a crush on a guy that's like 17, like, wow. <laughs> I hadn't even had my period yet. And I'm like, <laughs> to be really, really transparent. To really be transparent. <laughs> and I had a total but you still crush. had a crush on somebody. Totally. It was, so, it was so innocent. And they took care of me. And we traveled around Ohio doing these original children's theater productions. But that really inspired me to then, by the time I got to, gosh, it was in... Um, you know, the junior class play in high school, and that's when they had the speech competition. And I would win. I would go and do these, you know, James Thurber, Many Moons, um, 13 Clocks, and I would go off to Urbana, Ohio, or Bowling Green, or, you know, just Cincinnati, and, and bring home first place in humorous interpretation, or after dinner speaking. And the judges would say to me, you've got an unusual voice, you should do cartoons. And? 
Were you I even went, thinking? Oh, were you no. even thinking that way? This never even occurred to me. I was just having just fun. having a good time and probably working out the therapy part of your mom <laughs> passing. You were well, humor that time, was very savior for you. No, yeah? because at that time she she had not passed yet. Oh no, she was around and she no she was there through that and saw me like having fun and oh. my brothers were doing soapbox derby and little league baseball, bringing home their own trophies and first place in humorous interpretation. Nancy Carey and it it actually got to a point where I mean I I was winning a lot so I you know like a normal teenager I got a job got a summer job and ended up working at a radio station behind my house and a woman from Warner Brothers had come in and by then I had gotten a scholarship to go to Ohio University and she was pitching music because it's a radio station right so but but she said you know my boss introduced me to her, and I told her I wanted to do cartoon voices. And I said, "Do you know Mel Blank? I mean, Mel Blank." And she Bugs said, "Bunny." Yeah, that's right. Tweety Bird. He, yeah. he did all all the God Warner Brothers stuff, and then his uh, son Noel took over. Yes, for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he did. But you know, she didn't know that part of the industry, and she said, "But send me a little tape, a little something, put something together." And I had no idea what a demo tape was. This is. Kettering, Ohio, you know, so not knowing anything, I just put together what I thought was a good what idea. What was your first voice that you did? Well, I had done something for the studio. Oh. I mean, for, for the station, for WING. I did a little promotional gimmick. Her name was Lilypad. And it's like it was the Ken Warren show, the poolside show with Ken Warren and Lilypad, the lifeguard. And he pretended like, you know, he was sitting out doing a show, out, sitting outside beside a pool. That's hysterical. So he'd put in, you know, disc. That, back then they had the water sound. Yeah. And, <laughs> so I would, you know, dive into the pool and I'd come up and, you know, and it was really a voice that was very similar to Bart. It was just a sound that was, I'm Lilypad. And it was just a little bit higher pitched than Bart. And it became a promotional gimmick, you know, for a couple years on this couple summers. But like, what goes in your mind when you're thinking about? Well, I'm going to name this character. Did you name the character Lilypad, or they named the character? I think Ken did. I so think when Ken somebody did. comes to you and says, "I have a character," like for, we're going to get into Kim Possible and all these other things. Uh, you just go in your head and go, this is what I think they should sound like? Yeah, because there, no, there was no artwork. Later on, when I started going out for auditions and stuff, and for... When for, you do audition, is yeah. there artwork? Usually, yeah. For auditions oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, there's artwork because they want you to see what the character looks like and, you know... I was even very early on. I realized, wow, this really helps me because I can see first of all the age, and I go. But if it's a little character that's an animal, or that's a little, um, you know, um, there's a show coming out called Ugly Dolls. That's, yes. that's coming out. They're not. I don't. They're little creatures. Yes, but you can't really tell how old they are. So I would say, well, how old? How old is this character? They say, well, like a, like an eight year old or like a four year old. So. I have my idea, and you know, with Bart, for example, I think he was ten years old, and you know, I just get the idea of this is my idea of how a ten-year-old boy would sound, and and just be willing. So no one told you how to do Bart; you just did it, and they either said we like it or we don't like it. Yeah, and well, for that one, it's like I went in for Lisa. That's what I want to say. So the Bart Simpson, for those of you that don't know, the Simpsons actually started on another show called the Tracy Ullman Show. which was a variety yeah. show, yes? Yeah. And so they had this little segment, right? Mm-hmm. And you originally went in to read for another role, but when you got there, you decided you liked Bart Simpson better. Yeah, that's right, because eight-year-old middle child, 
compared to a 10-year-old school-hating underachiever and proud of it. I mean, come on. It's all it's in the heart of all of us to be the bad boy. Yes. So Matt, it was just Matt Groening and me, and I said, I want to do the kid. Are we cool with that? And he's like, yeah, great, great. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God, that's him. You're hired. He hired on the me spot? on the spot. Wow. But uh, there was a drawing there. And what I was saying before, it's like, but with Bart, usually I I look at the jawline. I look how old the character is, age-wise, not necessarily by how he looks, but how old is he or she, and what kind of a jawline teeth, what kind of teeth. Because if there's a split, you sort of maybe want to just do a sort of a thing like this, and you can Ah. sort of create a lisp with, with that. Or if they say, well, Matt gave me no direction, none. I just did it, and that was it. But typically, I think, I swear to you, that's the only show that I ever went in on where I had one voice and that was it. And Nobody usually, tried to change anything. No, and, and I didn't know he was going to hire me on the spot. If he would have said to me, you know, can you make him a little older? Can you, like, give him, he's a little tougher than that. However, what direction? An actor, I'm an actor. You, you just adjust, you, yeah. adjust, you sure. know. But with him, that was it. But typically, you, you know, you just accommodate whatever's needed and What wanted. about all the other characters that you do? It's 30 years later, by the way, and she's still doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so... Within the first five years, all these characters were um, pretty much, I, I think, Bart, I'm Bart, Nelson, Ralph, Kearney, Todd, Database, and Maggie. Those are my characters on the show. And with the other ones, Bart was the only one that I auditioned for. And with all the other ones, and Lisa, this, this is like, n- this has never happened to me in my whole career. And I don't think it happens to any, a- I was just assigned, you're, you're going to, I go, okay, who's this? Okay, Ralph Wiggum. Okay, he's a friend. And it really didn't. That's it. No that, detail. That was it. You yeah. have to create Ralph. Yeah. And I go to the table read and I'm like, wow, okay. I'd made a decision and bam, whatever came out. This is the sound that came out of my voice. And this was Ralph Wiggum. I mean, this is amazing when you think about it. People probably think you just walk into a studio, get a script, and start doing a voice. But no, this is so much more layered than than yeah. anybody would realize. Yeah, except like what I said with The Simpsons, this was so unusual. And I would open up the script, and right at the top, it would have Homer Simpson, Dana Castellaneta, Marge Simpson, Julie Kavner, Bart Simpson, Nancy Carwright, and then I would read down. Oh, it's one page, and sometimes two, sometimes into a third page of all the characters that are in the show. But as I'm scanning down, I go, "Wait a minute! There's my name again. Who am I now? Also, who who am I in addition to Bart? Nelson Muntz. Oh wait, I thought so and so was doing that. Somebody else was okay. So that this was early on, and it actually it, it turned out there was another gal that was doing that voice, and. They wanted to have an ensemble. Jim Brooks wanted to have an ensemble of actors. Six. That was it. So next thing you know, I was assigned that voice. And this actress was out. Sure. And bless her heart, she ended up passing away. You know, she was a dear friend. And there was, she she couldn't have done it. You know, she couldn't have done it anyway. So she probably appreciated that you did. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. so. I, I would think so, yeah. I mean, when I think about doing just talking in my voice, it's very scary. So to come up with any others to me, Mm. that is like genius level as far as I'm concerned to Mm. just look at a name and have to come up with the character, which is what you essentially 
do a lot of the times yeah. right yeah it was uh yeah it was it, it made it very challenging and, and nerve-wracking to be in a room because we when we do the readings it's a room full of people oh so you, you do know? like real table readings. oh yeah we oh. do the readings uh and you know it's 45 minutes or so to do the reading and to do it at the reading and when, it, when they laughed thank goodness now i can relax, relax a little bit right because it's a little bit nobody the casting director never asked to hear it ahead of time right it was like oh my gosh okay <laughs> fingers crossed but there you go okay now you also do sound effects she does she does sound effects like a leaky faucet <laughs> wow. right leaky faucet here we go I'll do, give you a leak tell me that doesn't sound like huh? a leaking faucet <laughs> that's insane did you get that crystal yeah how, how do how did you come up with that like one day you're just around the house and decided to do that oh gosh do you use your sound effects in any of the shows or anything <laughs> you know not so much not so much i do it for entertainment i was like, gonna like say this, but your just... grandchildren are oh, gonna yeah. be crazy oh, yeah. in love with you but every now and then they'll have an elephant bart had an elephant stampy so I got to do that. I think they replaced it with an actual elephant sound. <laughs> but I was the temp track for Stampy. Chalk that one up. Okay. Cement mixer. There you go. I mean, come on. This is just brilliant work. I'm in awe over here. I mean, well, Crystal's a huge fan of yours uh, from a long time ago. You can tell her. Kim Possible. Oh, yeah. I love it. We like have a new Rufus. Kim Possible You're movie. Rufus the Naked I, Rufus Mora. the Naked Mora. So and fun. didn't we just have a new Kim Possible movie just yeah. came out, right? Yeah. It was on television. I'm not sure if you can still see it, but maybe you can see it. But Netflix, super fun. Hulu, they all Going back it. and doing and bringing up... <laughs> You know, it's like, oh my gosh. Now, I, something like that, do you do in a room with other people or are you in a booth by yourself? You know, I, I the way they did it by myself, and I'm not sure why. I, I, I'd say because maybe I spit a little bit when I do, when I do him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's such a luxury to do it by yourself. I. <laughs> <laughs> That I'd like to see her doing a character and spit. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, sorry, sorry in advance. Here, I brought an umbrella. Sorry. Okay, so you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast about um, Huckleberry Hound. How did that relationship even start? You were yeah. young, right? Yeah. And he was an older man, right? Right. That's right. He Isn't was that a little enough, strange? I think it was old enough. To, he was kind of between my dad's age and a grandfather's age. He was a little bit elderly. But that woman, when I was working at the radio station, she had come in and she was promoting music but she gave me her card and I did put a tape together and then she sent me a letter back this was amazing to me that she was true to her word it was amazing her name was something diamond I forget her first name but her last name was diamond she was really just so sweet so she gave me her card I I sent her a uh, a tape 14 minutes long oh my gosh yeah we don't do that right no three minutes max right like two two, 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 you know I can listen to a tape and tell within 15 seconds if somebody's professional or not. So I but I didn't know and in in a, in a way actually it's a good thing. And again this is 1978. This is wasn't when cartoons were in their heyday at all. So I put it together and it, anyway, she had a letter and there was Filmation Studios, Walt Disney, um Wally Burr's name was on there and he's he's not around either either but a, a great guy that I sent my 
tape to. And I just started getting in touch with these people. And one of the names was Dawes Butler. And I called him. It was his phone number. Was it odd for women to be doing this? Because I think so. I think kind of. Yeah. In our world growing up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So was he taken aback that this lovely young lady is calling him? (laughs) You know, I left a message on his answering machine and he called me back and we hit it off like like fast friends. It was amazing. And then again, like I transferred to to UCLA because it was close to Dawes and we just started working together and he did not encourage me to come. He was a little concerned, kind of very conservative guy, but just like so helpful. He never criticized. It was always um, commenting, well, a, a critique that was like, that was really good. She was a little older than you and I felt you really captured the essence of this girl. Now, here's one. She's an alien, so just have a ball with it, you know. And he was like a coach and a yeah, mentor, all very in much, one. very much so. And so that when got my, you started, boy. Yeah. And when my dad and I flew out, it was just my dad and me. We went and had lunch with him, and Dawes was clearly just like he. He was shorter than me. I'm five. I'm five foot and about one inch. And just he shy was of smaller than yeah, you. Yeah, four ten. He was just but with a cute. large voice. Oh, a big being, with a big, a, a big voice. heart, and a just. Just commanded the space. He was just really such. Did a Did you sweetheart. stay friendly with him up until oh, the yeah. time he oh, passed? Yeah. Okay, good. so you transferred then from voice to acting, yeah. right? And, and you, juggling, and, juggling right? A you're juggling bit. a little bit of both. Were you in the original Twilight Zone? I was. You see me? <laughs> yeah. Getting eaten by a cartoon wolf. <laughs> <laughs> You've done your homework. Yes, I yeah. have. I'm such a good girl, Lisa. <laughs> I just love that you wear so many hats. Um, I love that you wrote uh, your autobiography, My Life as a 10-Year-Old Boy. Yeah, and the new I'll, I'll have a new and improved version coming out. Oh. We're, we're shooting for a Christmas release. Um, it's looking like it's just going to be an audio book, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm just super thrilled. I mean, it, it's good. It's like it's, it's the medium. You know, I'll do it. I'll do it myself. Don't have to hire Jim Dale, although that guy's amazing. I'm listening to Harry Potter again. He's so good. It's really great and fantastic that we're in a world now where we can have the audibles because yeah. so many people will not pick up a book anymore and yeah. so many people will listen while yeah. they're in that 405 miserable traffic. Well I think or, that's it. I think that's the yeah. reason. People want to be entertained. Yes, I agree. And like I even you know I'll listen to podcasts and I'll listen to Me audiobooks too. when I'm I'm doing art and it's like I oh, like we're going to talk about that because you had a, uh, a gallery showing in Palm Springs I believe or Palm Desert last year right yeah a little tiny little it was it was it, that was but a gallery I liked your, but i liked your your abstract work i saw i looked <laughs> and i saw it and i liked it we'll talk about it then again uh, but what i what i want people to know is you turned your book into a one woman play yes um n- yes and no um you not my life as a 10 year old boy but but you adapted in, i went to italy and came back and did a one-woman show. Ah. Yeah, it was a one-woman show. Okay. And by then... Was this when you were investigating your Fellini? <laughs> ah, we're that, gonna... Let's talk about that. Yeah, that was... You co-wrote, you produced a movie in search of Fellini, uh, which was actually a prequel to The Simpsons, because I was thinking you did this before. You're right. Right? You're absolutely right. The actual trip, because the movie was based on... You were young, on... you were like 17, no, yes? no, no, no. 18? I was in my 
20s, but still a naive, a, a young, I, I was pretty naive. But um, I look back at it, and it was in 85. I, I did go to Italy. I was in an acting class because now, like you said, I'm balancing on camera with doing My Little Pony, Snorks, Glow Friends, Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, these, these shows, uh, and Cheers. Cheers, Empty Nest, Mr. Belvedere, Marion Rose White. Which I is love CBS the story. The I love the audition story of Cheers. Yeah, it's a good one, too. Will you tell it? Yeah, I'll tell it. After but we get through. Sure, uh, yeah. sure. It's really, really unbelievable because it's really ballsy what you did. Yeah, I, well, this f- trip to Italy was pretty ballsy because I was single. It was not tourist season, so it was in the wintertime. So I had blonde hair. It was kind of cute. You're still blonde and you're still cute. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> I know, but I'm a grandma now. Anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, grandmas are very young now. Yep. Not like we saw when we were growing up. White hair. Glamma. Glamma. You are a glamma. Glamma. <laughs> so I had heard about, I don't know that your listeners will know this, but you know. Well, let's it, educate them. We're going to educate you. You guys, you know, if you're interested in voiceovers and you should know some history of theater too and filmmaking, but Federico Fellini was a pioneer and he really, he without what Fellini had done for filmmaking, he was part of the evolution of this whole industry. Well, there's, the a, whole craft, there's a big the quote that everybody says about Fellini. When Whenever you see a movie that's a little quirky, oh, that must be a cast of Fellini, right? Yeah, or Fellini-esque. Yes. The quality is Fellini-esque. Yes. And Martin Scorsese, and I know John Landis was a fan. Even Matt Groening was a fan. And you actually knew him, right? Well, I went because I was studying one of Fellini's films, and I was putting up scenes of that in my acting class to train as an actress and just doing a scene. And I decided I wanted to develop that movie, La Strada, as a, as a theater piece. So I wanted to go to Italy to meet Fellini and get the rights to be able to do a stage performance. So I went off by myself and... That doesn't sound like a naive girl. That well, sounds I was like a woman to go on with a, a friend. I was going to go with a girlfriend, but she was an actress and she got a call back for, for a show and she couldn't go and she was going to join me later on. So there I am thinking, geez, I don't know how to speak Italian. I'm going to be by myself in a land where it's strangers and okay, I'm going. So I went and I ended up having an odyssey. It was, I ate, I drank, I fell in love. I did all this stuff. It's like and, eat, love, pray. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And, you know, it was, I almost, I mean, it was dark. I went into kind of a f- very Fellini-esque kind of um pathological I hooked up and some guy and it was sort of a little bit of a me a me too court of, sort of an incident that happened and I almost I, I was a little bit violated my body was a little oh, violated by dear. this guy and I was fine I, he ended up believe me way more pain than me because I'm short and he was trying to kiss me and uh, I know what was, you did it, yeah <laughs> right in the groin baby bam bam I don't think he can have children I got him and I ran like a bat out of hell. I did. And I flipping saved my own life and my own integrity. And I'm like, that's like a Fellini movie right there. Exactly. (laughs) That's like right there, a script. Yeah, or a Jordan Peele movie. I mean, this is a horror film. It was like, whoa. Yes. So I got out. By the time, let's cut it. It's like by the time I got home, I realized that my story was way better for me to tell than a remake of La Strada. But at, by then, I had met this guy. I had fallen in love. I got the Simpsons. I got married, got pregnant. Things changed. 
fast forward, move a little bit forward now to 1995, and that's when I did it as a one-woman show called my called um, In Search of Fellini. So that that's the name of the one-woman show. Then you go 20 years later when I had confidence, I had relationships, I had the wherewithal to be able to, you know be able to actually do a film in Italy because in 95 there was no way that I just my you have the wherewithal yeah not the wherewithal in my yeah. own I'm going I'm not a filmmaker I'm not going to do that so people's goals and purposes change as they evolve you know and I hope they should I hope I mean for me my own spiritual quest as an artist as a as a being on planet earth I like to continually challenge myself and if you can get out of that safe space and do things that sort of challenge you you know the world needs more art they we need artists on this planet you know politicians have okay we won't go there, but it's like, I think it's the artist that actually that makes the difference. Our purpose line, right? 100% is exactly right. To inspire, right. to give hope to people, to say, you know, you can do more. You are exactly right. All right, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with Nancy. Cool. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You know, we were uh, talking about Fellini uh, before we broke and the fact that it took you 20 years yeah. to really figure out the whole idea of what you really wanted to do. But you did it. Yeah. And you did something that was so impressive. You just really, really, really went for it, which is something I really admire about you. You can see it on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I watched it. I've seen it. I think everyone should see it. It's shot very Fellini-esque, if you will. Oh, thanks. Don't yeah, you think? That's, you know, that's the genius of the director of Teron Lexton. He, Were you purposely trying to do that? You know, originally, it was it was a very collaborative uh, union. It really was fabulous. I'd known Teron and seen some of the stuff he had done. He's quite, he was quite young. I was, I mean, we shot this in, in 2016, and I've known him since, why, wow, when he was 19, 20 years old. So he was in his early 30s when he shot it, but he knew all of, he had seen all of Fellini's films. You could tell. It didn't take much for me to say, I really want you to direct this. And he's the one that takes you kind of down the Fellini rabbit hole, if you will. And it's very, um, it gets a little bit dark because there is that pathology of Fellini, but yet, yet it's this true story that you'll you'll question. And if you you want to hear the behind the scenes, you can buy it for like twelve bucks or something. And here, Teron and me, we take you back behind the scenes, the commentary. That's, or you can that's just very cool that you yeah. do that because I think that if people, in my opinion, I haven't done that. But now I'm going to go back and do that. Mm. In my opinion, you should do that first and then watch the movie. I think you'll have a better understanding and you'll enjoy it more. Yeah. Yeah, I love listening to commentary, and as our industry is evolving, kind of those those DVDs are falling out of popularity.
popularity because it's just everything is so streamlined. However, it opens up the door to more more production for many more people and with all the platforms that they have and me looking at my life and going, gosh, okay, now I'm a grandma and okay, fine. So I did did Fellini and now I'm writing. I know. I, just, I'm dying to talk about that. You actually, not only are you writing, you wrote an episode of The Simpsons! Oh my God! <laughs> what a challenge! Which Lisa. is Which is airing on the 31st of March. Mm-hmm. I am so excited. Tell us about that. Well, listen, this again, I had said it earlier regarding Fellini. I hadn't planned on being a filmmaker. Same thing with The Simpsons. I was completely happy where my hat doing uh, doing the voices on that show until I did Fellini and then when I did Fellini I mean to dive into that such a different arena doing a feature-length film compared to a three-act sitcom structure as The Simpsons is so it's just an adjustment kind of like a performer in my performing on the you know theater you know I'm going to perform at the Amundsen so I really have to there's projection of course they use microphones but still there's a certain projection maybe like with uh, non-equity theater or waiver theater or whatever but it's an adjustment that I had to make of what style of writing this is and believe me I had tons of backup because my story absolutely called girls in the band and it focuses actually not on Bart but on Lisa and based on as a kid these competitions that I did and I was in the band and I kind of like me being in the band and so having a little, a little life imitating art art a, imitating a little, life yeah, right? Ab- hey write what you know yes. do what you know and that's how I'm star I'm I'm still con- I still consider myself very much a novice you know in search of Fellini I, it was co-written with a, a very dear friend Peter Chenis and I co-wrote that and even the Simpsons it's like I put my did did the pitch and everything and then they told me right up front now just so that you know there are 20 writers on the show, and we're all going to help you. And I'm like, okay. Thank you. <laughs> and it, it was such an amazing evolution. I'm still in it. But the writing process was extraordinary to me because they took what I did, and it evolved into what you're going to see on the 31st. I cannot wait to see it. Now, let me ask you a question. You've got some uh, guest voices like J.K. Simmons, Dave yeah. Matthews of the Dave Matthews Band, That's I'm right. assuming. Was that your idea to bring them in? And do you write that for them and go to the producers? say hey i want these guys in this no that was their idea ah and it was like they come to you and say you got to do something for them i didn't do the casting on it there definitely was it was you know mr largo and then then the guest guy comes in but that wasn't no that wasn't my idea on it i give them full credit for that but you know and i didn't even get to meet them i was because i wasn't available when they came in to do their voices but jk simmons the best voice in the world oh my gosh the best Think of him in Whiplash, and that's all I'm going to say. Oh, not very nice. So you, well, it's. I love that movie, though. Yeah. He was just, he was absolutely brilliant in that movie. And there's other references in there that you will. There's a reference of um, the, the Shining, which is really dark and, and just delicious. And I am doing the scoring for it, or going to the. I'm not doing it. I'm going oh. to the scoring session in a couple of days and, and, and just meet the musicians. And I've done this before. What's but, the process of writing? How long does it take to write an episode for the Simpsons. Great question. 
Um, it's a process that one show it takes about anywhere's between five and eight months, depending. What? Yeah, depending upon if it's a musical. And this one's sort of it's got more music in it because it because it's about Lisa Simpson competing with the band. And here I am, I was competing with my voice, even though I was in the band. It's not really about me as a musician; it's me about competing. But you must with use my little voice. anecdotes or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it was. It's, it's all a big part of it. And right. you just take what you know. It was just an extraordinary thing. And what what I am most proud of is that there are, there are it's it, Carolyn O'Meany and Megan Amron are the they're the two ri- female writers that are staff writers on the show. But there's also a couple others, Stephanie Gillis, Deb LaCosta, um, and myself. There's seven women out of the out of 19 episodes of season 30 that were women. And it's like, we, yes. yeah, this is, this is our time. You know, it's a small, <laughs> honestly, it's, it's a step in the right direction, but seriously. A small step. Yeah, but, but we're we'll setting, take it. We'll, but take we'll take it. it. We'll, yeah, we'll we do more. We'll take it. So wait, you love writing so much that now you're actually doing another project that you're writing. Hey, gotta stay busy, man. Simpsons that, you I finished that. Much. I finished that. It hasn't aired yet, but I'm doing the post-production on it and, well, you know, gotta stay busy busy but so tell us about Rhea the naked birdie okay I would love to (laughs) are you doing the voices as well as writing yeah absolutely um we will see if I'm going to continue doing the voices for the actual show because whatever is whatever's best for the show is what I is the viewpoint as a producer that I look at as a voice actress I want to do all the voices really well sure I mean who wouldn't you know Seth MacFarlane does that so like you yeah. know for family you mean for family yeah, guy and does I can, all the voices I can certainly do it but is that going to help the show at, at this stage of the game and I like the idea of of surrounding myself with other voice talent it's it's uh, why not why not exactly you know I don't have to hog it all I no, you know, I, gotcha. I don't mean that as a slam. No, I just, no, no, I know I, what you I, say. I like to... You I, sharer. You're a sharer. <laughs> <laughs> I just, honestly, it's that viewpoint of whatever's best for the show. And we'll, we'll find that well, out. Well, that makes a good executive producer and a good writer. Because a good writer and a good producer does not... They sacrifice themselves for whatever's best for the project. And that's well, what thank you, do. you Thank you for that. But I'm having lots of fun and we've got this you know, this little demo reel that people are calling us because they want to see it because they've heard about it because it was based on an actual... TV show, right? No, an no? actual bird. Oh! An actual... I'm going to surprise you now. So there was a little gal. Her name is... Um, Isabel, and she found and she she worked for a sanctuary that you know that, that took care of birdies. To, yeah, that to, to, not just birdies, but injured. animals, I, injured animals, yes. and she found this little bird and it didn't have any feathers and a little little bitty of a like bird a sparrow? you know four inches big but it was a parrot it oh. was a, um, a love bird it was a little love bird oh. parrot is that the same thing no it's a diff- little love bird tiny but totally naked man and she named her Rhea and then she started videotaping and created an online little video show for her YouTubed it got 500,000 fans watching this who would send in little sweaters and little hats for little Raya oh. and took care of her for about three years oh. and my co-producers there are about six of us we 
got this, got a hold of this, spoke to her, and then with Bought her the agreement, yeah, with her agreement, we've got this show now. And so it really is about these other animals. There's a there's a little chihuahua. There's a little. I got um, chills, Nancy, because I'm gonna tell you why. No, I'm gonna tell you why. Because right now, people like animals more than people in this world, and to bring a little bird with such a traumatic story yeah. to life yeah. for little kids to watch this and to know they could take care of things yeah you know what i think i think you're so right you said something there that's quite insightful and i think i think you're right um about there are a lot of people that have attention on animals and the care and it hurts when they die and stuff yes. like that and but i i think what it is is that when people when friends when relatives get sick it's very hard to confront that yes. it's harder than animals animals they can do it and care for the animals people it's i think it's hard and especially when you're dealing with you know drug related incidents you know yeah and it's just it's it's very challenging but Raya and all the animals that are there you got a little bunny the bunny actually it's it's a kitty cat and her name's bunny because her little ears are too short her ears are too small to be a kitty cat so she likes to wear little hats that have bunny ears on them oh. so <laughs> she's princess bunny and she's a little bit there's a little bit of a marilyn monroe quality to her there's a sort of a i wouldn't say sexy but it's a breathy quality because she's a prince princess oh. you know kind of along that line i am so looking forward to seeing this project come to life I really am I just love what you're doing um, and you go online I love something else I, I love everything about you but I love what you do with your fans you make yourself so accessible on social media you get an Instagram story every day and one story I was looking at where you asked your fans what's an object or place that screams you and I'm gonna ask you that question <laughs> An object or a place that screams me, um, it's probably actually just my house. The house that Bart built. Yeah. I've Lisa, been to that did house. you know that answer? It's like you almost knew the no, answer. No, I, I know it because I've been to your home yeah. and I've seen your pride and joy. And I know how you love your home. Or I should say there's a few little proper pieces of property on the property. Yeah, but people should do that with their home. It should be a place that you really take the time to think. Even you know, if you live in a just a studio apartment, to make it a place that it, it, that it is you. You take the care to find the right items. And I have a very whimsical viewpoint about life so whimsy roses chandelier you Picket know fences i mean it's it's <laughs> really it's got just eight chickens. i know it's just the best place ever i love the house that bart built thank i really you. do and thank you for always inviting me to your charity events that you hold there you're so gracious you're you're just open you open your world to everybody oh, Lisa, and it, it's really kind now before we go you've got to tell the stories about cheers uh, the audition of Cheers, because honestly, this you know, to me takes balls. Yeah, I think you know it's the times that I thought out of the box that actually I can I can name the things that I got that I didn't do what was expected. And as an artist, it's like the the producers and writers and creators of that show are they want you to have they want you to solve their problem. They're trying to cast this part, and they're looking for something and someone who does something that surprises them the it girl or the it guy. yeah that's right yeah so uh the character at the 
end when you you can you can pull it up and see the little scene that I was in. But at the audition, you know, it, it's the same scene. But at the at the end of the scene, my character she actually um, she's talking to um, Rhea Perlman, and Rhea Perlman says, "I like your choker," and my character says. I'm not wearing a choker. And she says, you will be, because she's referring to my fiancé, who's a, who's like a, a, a serial, crazy. he's a crazy <laughs> lunatic that <laughs> apparently has murdered people, you know? And so uh, they're a little concerned about my health and well-being. So I said, oh, I'm not wearing, you will be. And I say, oh, okay. And I turn around and the character walks out the door. Now, typically, that would be the end of the scene and they would say, oh, thank you, Nancy. Thank you for coming in. That was great. Okay, okay, goodbye, goodbye. No, I... I said thank you, and I turned and I walked out the door. She walked out the building, folks. Not yeah, just the I door. got my Volkswagen Beetle and I drove home. And when I got home, the phone was ringing, and it was my agent. And first thing she says was, "What were you thinking?" And the second thing was, "You got the job." <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty ballsy, right? Yeah, to yeah. just like take it method acting all the way, <laughs> right? All right. Lastly, you have said that everyone should embrace their inner artists, which I believe yeah. you might have just said here, because we all have, you believe, yeah. a little artist inside of us. Yeah. And so now you're actually dabbling in the art world yes or no yeah absolutely tell us a little bit about that well gosh thanks um i'm going to have an exhibition uh it will be in the fall uh it'll be you know you'll you'll find out more about it then but it'll be in downtown and i'm I'm sure that i will be doing it and promoting this on my own podcast and maybe come Come back back here yeah i'd love to it's but it is well you've had one gallery showing yes well that wasn't it wasn't so much an exhibition for me that was actually a gallery opening and i was gosh i was asked to participate in that that art was i was learning how to do this style of art that you're going to see at this exhibition it's a little controversial and it's not what you're going to expect from nancy cartwright you know voice of bart simpson well, and all these though, characters yeah? it's very different and it's a social issue it's it's a, it's a social commentary about our culture and it's about specifically it's about children and it's it's just about how uh, how our culture is being it is evolving into very much a drug influenced culture and you really have uh, some interest in this now that you're a grandma or a glamma well and and also i lost i lost a brother to a, a drug overdose oh, I didn't too know so that. yeah and so it's personal to me ah. and i'm i'm just putting this out there because i feel it hasn't it's not being talked about in the way that it should be talked about and i care and it's just it's painful knowing that I have a granddaughter and I look at these young kids that have the opportunity to grow up and and make their dreams come true but if they're being influenced by too much of um too much of texting and and they're not having a childhood the kind and, of- and, and especially um drugs under the guise of help when it's not really help. You're talking prescription drugs as well? Prescription drugs yes. e- and even opioids because opioids... Well, what do you mean e- even? Those are the worst. Oh my gosh. Those are the worst. Because the intention is to take away pain. You, and I, I understand purposes of medication. Don't misunderstand me. Well, you there can have are a non- problems. You can have a non-narcotic uh, painkiller. Absolutely. I take them when I'm in pain. I take a non-narcotic. Yeah. They work, but the, the program, the mind is programmed differently. And yeah. you're trying to change that a little I guess, with your art. Yes? Yeah. Good. So tell us where everyone could go to your website and they can find out all Nancy. 
<laughs> Just my name, nancycarwright.com is my website, but there will be a specific website for the art um, that we're establishing because this isn't till So the just fall. go to nancycarwright.com you'll be routed and you'll, there. you'll be routed there and you can find or out. follow me on yes. all the platforms. Tell you them. know, yeah, Nancy Cartwright. You can just, I'm the original. I got the little check mark there. Yeah. I'm like certified. You can see me. I'm, I'm qualified, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. You are definitely qualified. And go to Netflix, people, and watch In Search of Fellini. It's really, really an interesting movie. And especially if you're a movie buff. It's one of those kind of things that you really must see. Nancy, I love you. And thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. I didn't even, even ask her to do Bart Simpson. Did you notice no, that, I'm Crystal? No, I'm not going to do it for you, Lisa. No, I would have I'm never asked no, you to no. do Bart. No. Uh-uh. Okay, don't have a cow, I didn't man. Do it. Nobody's okay? going to do it. You can't prove anything. <laughs> I love you and thank you. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.